Hello, fellow Muppet fans. Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppet Christmas Carol two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And today we have a first-time guest, uh, but a, a long-time uh, fellow Muppet fan friend. Guest, please introduce yourself. I am Noah Ginex, and I have been listening to this podcast since the first episode. Wow. Wow. Since yeah. the first episode was new, like the first week? Yeah. Since, like, the first episode of the Muppet movie. Wow. I, probably not a, a whole lot of people can say that. Well, here's what I say to that, Noah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, Thank you for listening. It's really nice to finally get you on. So yeah. Uh, Noah also uh, <laughs> drew a, a a picture of us. Uh, Noah is a talented artist. He drew a picture of Anthony and myself. Um, I don't know how much of it I should give away. We'll we'll post it in the show notes of this. But sort of a a, a reimagining of what it might look like when we record this <laughs> podcast. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, this, uh, it was you, uh, interviewing, uh, several of the characters from Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes. Yeah. Several yeah. of the characters, perhaps not the main characters or the most famous characters in the movie. No, they get a lot of airtime. They don't need any more, uh, <laughs> right, and we, sure. they don't need any more publicity. Well, and as, l- as long as we're talking about it, we, sh- we should point out that we are tough pigs in this drawing. We are pigs. We are not, yes, we are yes. not humans. Yes. True as, as pigs. So. Th- so, that's great. We'll put that in the show notes. There's pigs in this scene of the movie too, so it's relevant. Oh yeah, it's, it's very true. relevant. Yeah, um, and we're about to get into the minutes, but before we do that, there another thing that <laughs> Noah has brought us. <laughs> uh, maybe do you want to just set this up? Uh, this is I orchestrated uh, Anthony's rap from the first episode of this season. <laughs> Listeners might remember that Anthony decided because of the time period when the Muppet Christmas Carol came out, there should have been a rap song to accompany it. So uh, <laughs> Anthony wrote and performed a, a rap about more, more about, about the season of it's the really podcast. It's more about the really, podcast than several, about Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, several, yeah. Re- several references to us in it. And uh, Noah just played for us uh, sort of a, what did you just call it? An orchestration? Yeah, I just yeah. sort of filled it out with clips from the movie. Yeah, so we just listened to it. It's it's really great. Uh, we're going to just take a moment right now to pause and let all of you hear it. And don't just listen to it once, you know, skip back and, and listen to it multiple <laughs> times. I am your host, Ryan Rowe. And I am your other host, Anthony Strand, back again, talking about the Muppets with my co-host and friend, it's Ryan Rowe from Austin TX. If it doesn't feel like Christmas yet, it will next. Podcast present coming down from the shelf. I play Charles Dickens and Ryan plays himself. Michael's Kane, two-time Oscar winner, paid Bean Bunny to bring us a turkey dinner. No more sleeps until we start this gig. We're gonna throw a party just like Fozzie Wig. When love is gone, you'll find some more right here. Every single week, a hit of Christmas cheer. Two minutes at a time, right down down to the wire so throw another shovel full of coal on the fire we'll have some great guests we just can't go wrong it's Muppet Christmas Carol I'm moving right along <laughs> wow okay so that was great <laughs> <laughs> how many different sound clips do you think from the movie are in that um 
a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Let um, me uh let's we, see. Well, we I, don't need a precise answer, but that was that was quite a quite a feat. It was um a lot. Yeah. 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 Well, great work and thank you for that. Well, gift. and I just let me say that I am honored because that's yeah. just some dumb garbage I wrote and the <laughs> fact that anybody even like remembered it 5 minutes later is truly astonishing to me, let alone lovingly <laughs> refashioned it into something new. So like it's it's going to be a hit on on SoundCloud or something. Yeah, that's my that's now. my SoundCloud. Until Disney gives us a cease and desist. I was either driving in my car when I heard it or building a puppet. And I, either one, I had to stop what I was doing and like go back to the beginning and just listen. Cause it, it, it may have been some dumb crap that you wrote, but it was gorgeous. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, another thing we all appreciate is the movie The Muppet Christmas Carol. Mm. And today we're watching and talking about minutes 59 and 60, in which Christmas scat concludes and the Cratchit family comes together for Christmas dinner. So we pick up with Tiny Tim and Bob Cratchit continuing and actually concluding Christmas scat. We talked about this some last week. Anthony and I both uh, really love this song, the reprise of... Um, one more sleep and, and Robin singing the real words, Kermit just scatting along with these nonsense syllables. Uh, I also like the fact that they end together. So Kermit is just doing these nonsense syllables the whole time. But then at the end, they both do keep love alive and they harmonize on that. And it sounds really great. Yeah. Noah, did you have any thoughts specifically about the song? Yes, I did. One of the reasons why I wanted to do these minutes specifically is because the song to me, if you listen to it, it that's just Gobo and Wembley uh, <laughs> scatting, you know, or doing that like uh, Wembley making little noises while Gobo, you know, walks through the cave and like sings one of his r songs with Wembley doing little sound effects like that's at its core. That's really what that relationship was at that time, you know. Right. So yeah. Uh, so we've talked about you. You and I have discussed how we have many common interests. We think the same things. I, I yeah. said that thing about Gobo and Wembley last week. <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah, it's like true. right. Yeah, it's so it's, true. Yeah, it's just so perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it just makes it that much more delightful and special. Um, I also have uh, information about the shooting of that segment. I don't know if you want to go over that now. Please, yeah, yeah, well, you well, actually, I, I had one more thing, um, which is that, and maybe we said this last week. I don't know. I can't keep up with this show. Um, Brian Henson, uh, in the this thing he did for the movie on AFI's YouTube channel, and mm -hmm. when he talked about this song, he said... Uh, he liked Steve Whitmire scatting because it reminded him of the way his dad would, would I guess, scat and sing around the house. So oh. that's, yeah, that's a nice thought. Uh, so, yeah, the effect that is happening here in this scene. Uh, Noah, you told me when, I guess when you, you said you were interested in coming on for this exact scene, that you had some stuff you wanted to say about the effect. So we actually haven't really gotten into how they did this yet. So I'll... Okay. Um, well, I am in uh, a couple different like um, 
effects and crew uh, groups on Facebook. Mm. And somebody posted in it a while ago uh, a guy named uh, Paul Gentry or Gentry or something posted this long thing about the uh, technique they used. And I can either like read through this whole thing. It's, you know, it's, it's a big long paragraph uh, about it. it. But basically what they did was they, uh, okay, so it says, uh, in the UK at Shepherd and Studios, I saw this big cylindrical drum rig that was motor driven that had earth painted on it and was used for Superman, uh, wow. 1978. I needed to put a cobblestone road on it and use it for Kermit the Frog walking down the road, blended to a previous mo- uh, motion control shot background and blue screen Muppeteers, uh, behind him operating him. Huh. Not perfect, but it worked pretty good, and it was the first shot ever of Kermit walking. Um, and it was, uh, he said he just found it sitting in a side yard uh, at the effects shop at Shepard and Studios, and they, you know, rigged it up, and basically it was Steve standing behind it um, with uh, Mike Quinn standing in for Jerry Nelson. Uh, puppeteering oh, okay. Robin uh, sitting on his shoulder. Huh. And Mike Quinn told me in a separate thing uh, that um, he, Jerry asked him to do Robin because uh, of the physicality of the shot. Um, and that he wore a, because Mike Quinn is left handed, he wore like a special glove that would uh, even out his knuckles to, to look like a right hand. Oh, that's um, interesting. In inside of Robin's head, so when they were going along and doing that, huh. and I have photos. I don't know where I got them from, but uh, they're of um, Steve and Mike Quinn and uh, Karen Prell um, puppeteering him, and I can send you oh, those. Okay, yeah, because what I the notes I have, and I don't know where mm-hmm. all these came from, um, but I had that there was one puppeteer doing both of Kermit's. Feet and another puppeteer doing Kermit's right arm. Yes, it looks like. Um, let me share my screen. Um, we. Sh- I'll, I'll just jump in here to note that Paul Gentry is credited as effects supervisor on the movie. So. Oh. Okay. So he, he oh, is. Cool. He is definitely someone who worked on the film. Can you see yeah. this? Yes. Okay. So this so, is an image with a completely blue background, and I see four puppeteers. I don't know who that person is behind all of them, but this is Karen Prell uh, operating Kermit's right hand and right. his little hat. And then Mike Quinn operating Robin and Steve standing there. And then there's uh, Steve having Kermit bite someone like he <laughs> does a lot. I've seen many pictures of Kermit biting people on the neck. Right. Um, and then there is this other one of them actually walking Oh, that's a really good shot of the the drum. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like more uh round than it looks in the movie, I think. Yeah, and and more uh, expansive, bigger. Yeah. Wider. Yeah. They must have shot it in a way that is like I don't know, flattens it out or something. When you said that it had been used for the planet Earth in a Superman movie, <laughs> I was thinking, how can that be? Like, this must have been just like a like an oil 
drum, you know, like right. not, not nearly the same size or shape as something that would be planet earth. But yeah, in these photos, which, which we can put in the show notes also that, yeah, that does look like something that could be used for the planet. And that's also so crazy to me that something that was used and I don't know, we don't know where exactly or which Superman movie uh, Superman, Is this when he was flying around the earth? It must be the to, first one. It must be. Time? Where else would it be? Yeah. Okay, yeah. then that's truly amazing to me that <laughs> this model of the planet Earth was just like sitting in a room or outside somewhere at Shepperton Studios, and they t- they changed it into the snowy ground for Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol. Yeah. Yeah, he said he just had to tack some like cobblestone on it, but like it's so covered in snow. Yeah, there's a lot of texturing and. And Mike Quinn also said that, like, that they used UV lights to help with the blue screen effect. So uh, all the puppets were sprayed down with, uh, huh. with basically suntan lotion, uh, <laughs> to block the, uh, to block the UV light just so they would, wouldn't, you know, key out. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Wow. So they wouldn't disappear. Right. So many. Uh, technical considerations yeah that go into a shot and i wish i had timed it but it, it's it can't be more than 20 seconds right and like i i remember craig shemin saying that this movie was really cheaply made so it's amazing <laughs> to me that it, that they took that much time and i guess it just came down to paul gentry happening to find that you know uh that earth drum or yeah whatever. just that was just what they needed right. yeah i guess it was cheap to make relative to the previous three muppet movies or maybe maybe owing yeah. to the fact that it was all filmed inside a studio and they never had to go on locations and yep do do effects outside so yeah wow yeah that's that all really sense. cool so yeah thanks, thanks for, for sharing, sharing that. sure yeah and i had wanted to do these minutes for that thing. But then when I watched the clip that you sent, uh, I noticed like that this clip is a perfect encapsulation of what this movie is. Like every bit of this movie is in this clip. Like you have the, the technical wizardry of that shot and the scatting and the relationship between Steve and Jerry, you know, uh, and, We'll get to it later. Uh, like, so as we go along, I'll point them out, but like, they're every nuanced part of this movie, like the, the silliness and the heart and mm. the, you know, the Muppet chaos. It, it's all in these two minutes. Yeah. This is, this is a short film. You could just show this to people and say, here's <laughs> really, you could. Carol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, well, so, and I, everybody, the next time you watch this movie, just think about all that and all the work that went into that when you see those those 20 seconds or whatever, yeah. that, however long that, <laughs> that brief clip of Christmas cat is. Yeah, let's get in the door. Like, we haven't even gotten inside yet. <laughs> well, right. So, uh, what happens is uh, Bob Cratchit sets down Tiny Tim on the ground. And by the way, I will probably be, as we always do, interchangeably referring to these characters by their... Yep. quote unquote real names and their character names um bob puts tiny tim on the ground uh and there's this little thing i never noticed how invested in all this the spirit is oh he loves it christmas yeah <laughs> actually he is, yeah he's watching them very intently and then uh, he he just makes his little ah sound as as bob helps tim get he up. just like chuckles as they walk up 
Like as soon as the scat ends, yeah. he's just like, oh. <laughs> right, yeah. He yeah, like he said, he loves it. Tiny Tim is, in fact, um using a crutch to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we ever learned specifically what his uh ailment is, at least yeah, in this movie. I have I actually have a lot of notes about that from the from oh. the annotated Christmas carol. Okay, Great. you want to get um, into that? Should now? I get it? Should I, should I open the old curiosity shop right now? Sure, um, might as well. Okay. While you're opening it, Anthony, uh, this book, uh, this will air after Christmas, right? Yes. Um, Way after Christmas. Yeah. yeah. I am getting my brother this book for Christmas based on how, how, you know, like uh, fantastic it seems. Just because we, I grew up uh, the youngest of three and both of my older brothers uh, did well, we could talk about it later in the like how uh, the Christmas Carol esque part of this, but like they both did this play uh, three times uh, each. So like just growing up, I basically memorized the entire you know like shortened sure, yeah, yeah. children version of this play. So I've it's been yeah. Anyway, wow. and we'll talk about that later. So here's what here's what Michael Patrick Hearn says in uh, the annotated Christmas Carol. But what exactly was Tiny Tim's disease? Colonel Charles Callahan, chief of the Department of Pediatrics and Pediatric Pulmonology at Tripler Army Medical Center in Honolulu, told Roxanne Nelson in the case of Tiny Tim, the Washington Post, that the boy possibly suffered from Pott's disease, also called tuberculosis spondylitis, or spinal tuberculosis, Uh. spinal tuberculosis, which commonly strikes children under 10 years old. Tuberculosis infected half the population in 19th century England, and was then the chief cause of death in the Western world. While primarily a respiratory wow. illness, Pott's disease can also spread to other parts of the body, such as the bones and joints. And that's why that's why they think that's what he had. Because he's he's limping okay. and he's coughing, basically. And it was very right, common yeah, a lot of coughing at that time. Jerry's performance like just beautifully encapsulates encapsulates both of those right. things. Right. Well, I was actually yeah. thinking while watching it now, two minutes. The limping is not showy at all. Like it's really feels like he's walking with a crutch you know he's just kind of like yeah yeah along, i have lifting a, one shoulder a note about that and it's it's great it's really impressive right yeah that is puppetry um so wh- while we're at the door uh oh yeah we're still at the door uh, yeah yeah um i noticed that like he comes in and he closes the door but the door latch doesn't like it doesn't fully close until uh, Belinda and Bettina and Peter like <laughs> slam into him, and then the latch like fully closes. Yeah, like it's just this beautiful little bit of like uh, chaos that you know. Uh, and that's when the that's when he's finally inside. When you know when he's right. surrounded by his family. And well, and that's probably him. what happens every night when he gets home from work. Uh, absolutely, they yeah. never have to fix that door mechanism. No, um, there is this little <laughs> tiny moment before that, though, when uh, they're going in, and Gonzo runs up behind Kermit and first like says his back up against the door, and then he kind of like, like, like flips himself inside sideways. Uh-huh. He's like a spy. Charles Dickens is a spy, <laughs> sneaking right. his way into his own story. Well, it's <laughs> it's pretty funny that I mean, I I guess it makes sense that Gonzo is bound by the rules of reality because he's not a spirit. He's not accompanying a spirit, but it is funny right. to me that later in the same scene, we're going to see Scrooge walk right through that door, but Gonzo has to sneak in while. Oh, it's that's open. interesting. You know, cause me, ne- cause neither of them are really, are like really there. Right. 
Right. But, well, and we'll get to it later, but like Rizzo falls down the chimney and lands like, you know, lands on the goose. So he is bound by the physicality of the, he's bound by the, the environment just like, just like Gonzo is. So maybe they are, Yeah, it's weird. Well, so Anthony, were you suggesting that because this, this, the ghost of Christmas present has not actually entered the house. That's why Charles Dickens and, Rizzo can't enter the house. Well, no, yet. because Scrooge walks in. We we don't we don't see the ghost enter the house here. Scrooge just strolls. Right, in. but I thought you were suggesting so, that Scrooge is more of an immediate companion to the ghost. He is, yeah, because that's that's who he that's who the ghost came for. Whereas yeah. Gonzo and Rizzo just kind of are tagging along, but like <laughs> they, they also exist outside of time, right? Like they're going, they right. go to the past, yeah. the present, and the future. They don't go to the future. And like story. Scrooge hasn't hasn't like ventured that far away from the from the ghost like Last his year. bluetooth would still work yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah but in the so, previous scene uh the ghost took scrooge to fred's house and when they got there gonzo and rizzo were seemingly already there or they just kind of appeared there yeah gonzo and uh, rizzo didn't have to go to any effort to get inside nephew scrooge's right parlor so, or whatever so I, I guess it's the same thing as with the gate earlier right where like yeah only when it's funny i mean in this case gonzo yeah. i don't know if gonzo's sneaking in right. is really funny but it's it's neat it's like a cute visual it's thing. a yeah it's a little bit funny yeah. <laughs> to quote the great frank oz davy it's a movie yeah. Yeah, it, it, that's the real answer it doesn't really matter right, so. right. nothing this podcast is over <laughs> wrap it up okay We're yeah done. that's it this is the last series <laughs> finale don't. Yeah, why, why are we talking about this so much? Um, yes, uh, Kermit goes in. Uh, Belinda and Bettina, as we said, are so excited. It's like they haven't seen him in years. They run up and they they trample their brother Peter on the way to yes. go uh, shove their daddy up against the, the door. They're knocking over all kinds of frogs. That's all they do. Yeah. <laughs> right. David Rudman in a great performance as Peter Cratchit. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Yeah, Kermit says Merry Christmas to the girls and Peter uh as as peter is sort of like running up and kind of like uh, hopping and trying to squeeze in anywhere he can to say hi to his daddy also and i just noticed for the first time in watching this clip that it's got to be dave doing both pigs at the same time because steve is being oh. and like it looks sort of like uh, like the snoths a little bit yeah you know like how they sort of like so in that way that one person is clearly puppeteering both and it would reduce the number of, you know, people underneath. Right. Oh yeah. So. You think it looks more like that than like they had another puppeteer that, yeah. With, with Steve's character. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. So then Emily Cratchit, Miss Piggy comes up, tells the kids to go set the table. All of them uh, stampede back off that direction. Mrs. Mrs. Piggy. Oh, Mrs. Piggy in this one, yeah. right? Kermit says Merry Christmas to her. She says Merry Christmas. And then she gives him a big, tight, affectionate hug. Now, I had always thought that she was saying Merry Christmas, Cratchy, like as yeah. a nod to calling him yeah. Kermie. Yeah. Yeah. She is. Okay. That is, you, that's what you hear? Yeah. 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 Okay. The more I watched this clip, the more I convinced myself that she was just saying Cratchit. But no, it's definitely it, Cratchy. And it's, it's Cratchy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's Cratchy, cratchy in the, is and the then, subtitles and everything. Like, not, oh, good. Like good. Not good. The subtitles are always 49 right. 49 seconds That's like, true. into this clip, chugga, chugga. she 
squeaks somehow. Right. So as she's hugging him, <laughs> there she sort of makes this like she squeezes him extra tight, and then there's this little sound like a squeak toy. Oh, Merry Christmas, Gretchy. Emmy. Yeah. I I assume this is meant to be piggy goosing Kermit. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just wondering from what orifice is that noise coming? Oh, oh no! Yeah, what is what is making the squeak happen? I don't know. Kermit has a squeaker, and somewhere Kermit inside like him. checks the camera at that point. Like he looks at the camera for just like a microsecond. He does a little bit of a take. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like yeah, this is his. You know, sheesh. Can you believe this pig? I think in general, the exasperated, like the kind of embarrassed way that he goes, Emmy. After she hugs yeah. it. It's like, that's the thing that feels the, like, that feels like a natural progression to me. Even though this is a fictional movie, they're not playing themselves. Right. There's something very natural to me about, they got married in Muppet's Take Manhattan. They appear to be married <laughs> in Muppet Family Christmas. We talked about that on the podcast, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Or a couple, yeah. And in this one, they've like, they're a longtime married couple with four kids who like have settled into being like a family of six. And Hmm. that's how she greets him when he comes home. And he's just kind of like, okay, all right. That's, that's what we do. Here we go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's definitely a certain percentage of the audience that really wanted to see that. Right. Or or even expected to see it. Probably. It's still the same relationship. Yeah. As Kermit and Piggy just within the confines of, you know, because never nothing is ever really made of Emily Cratchit as her own character, right? No, like in not the, at all. Not really. really. I mean, in, she, in the book or I mean, anything. So, like, she gets indignant about, about Cratchit toasting Scrooge. Like, like that's, that's, I was going to save that for next time. But that does happen. Okay. You know? Okay. So okay. showing some personality of her own. Yeah. But it's very easy to map Piggy's character over that, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tempting to say, like, this is, you know, kind of an indignity to Piggy to be playing this character, but it, it also was probably the most obvious. Once they decided not to cast familiar Muppets as the three spirits, it was probably the most obvious to just, like, oh, of course, Piggy's going to be Kermit's wife, yeah. you know, the, and they probably, they dissolved into giggles, probably, like thinking, and then we can make, you know, these new pig puppets to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. And then once Dave and Steve got a hold of them, they're just like, let's just, you know, uh, make fun of Frank <laughs> right. as much as we can. Yeah, yeah, and probably it actually does pay off pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so Rizzo is uh, inside the house. He's trying to cool off his feet from when he uh, burned them by landing on the flaming hot goose. He explains this to Gonzo. Gonzo says, you have all the fun. And now it's Gonzo's turn to react to an oblivious, uh, to react as an obliviously silly comedy guy, the way Rizzo has been doing up to this point in the movie. But like right after he says, you have all the fun, these two puffs of steam shoot out of Rizzo's belly and the bottom of his foot. Like (laughs) it, it, it just like, yeah, I'd never noticed. I love that because at first it seems like, as far as I could see, the steam is was coming from under the frame. Like Rizzo is blowing on his feet. We can't actually see his feet at first, but we can see that there's steam rising up from below the frame. So 
they could be doing that using any kind of effect. But then, yeah, he he pulls his feet. I think he pulls his feet into the frame, and we one, actually yeah, see one puffs of smoke emanating from inside his feet. More it's or almost less. to like uh, like the the exclamation point on the sentence. You know, yes. like you have all the fun. Right, you know. it's the perfect punctuation to that little joke. Yeah. Well, and but also I wanted to say about you have all the fun. We've talked about whether or not Gonzo is basically playing himself here, despite being named Charles Dickens. Oh, he, and yeah. this is evidence that he is. Like, he's just kind of like, oh, you, oh, you, you, you got to do a weird stunt. No, that's me. I'm, yeah. I'm the stunt guy. You know. Right. That's he's right. still the guy who likes flying over London dangling from the ghost of Christmas past. And he's the guy who wishes he had gotten to fall down a chimney and land on a flaming hot goose. Right. Exactly. I mean, I think they're, they're all sort of just doing it's the Muppets doing this story. Like they're, they're, uh, dedication to their roles goes up and down depending on who you're looking <laughs> yeah. at. But yeah, right. like, they're needs... all just putting these characters on. Yeah. And when there needs to be a joke, they, they slip back yeah. more toward their traditional character, their Muppet characters. Uh, and speaking of the goose, Tiny Tim is very excited about the Christmas dinner. <laughs> yes. He's getting all worked up about the dinner and the goose, the goose. And he starts coughing and Piggy <laughs> has to come over and tell him that he's gotten too excited and he should go over and sit in his chair and rest, which is, you know, it's sad that Tiny Tim is sick. It's also a little bit sad that Miss Piggy, who, who has thus far been very funny in this sequence, now has to just be serious and somber this, and deliver this This is what little... I'm talking about. Like, she, Piggy, has depth that we almost never see anymore. And, like, there's uh, the episode of The Muppet Show where she, where the rats are taking advantage of Bo, and she has to go and tell Beauregard, like, in the storeroom or whatever, she's like, they don't care about you, they're using you. Uh, like, and it's Piggy of all characters, who, like, goes in and, you know, comforts him. I was gonna say that's the Joan Baez episode, if people want to go watch it. Oh, the Joan Baez Season episode. Five. Mm. There you go. Uh, and it's, I love that scene so much, because she never gets to be anything, at least, especially nowadays, she never gets to be anything more than the one note piggy and yeah you know, she's had that in her the whole time yeah i guess so yeah she does have fewer layers now than she did at her peak so yeah no i know and this is this is important obviously and they're they're moving into the part where tiny tim is a figure of <laughs> sympathy but <laughs> it is kind of like oh well piggy was just being funny a minute ago and now she's not funny anymore right and i was gonna say uh like the way that Jerry's hand fits inside of Robin, like really lends itself to his condition, like in uh, that, in that moment, because like, he's like, he does not look right. You know, <laughs> as, as he's mo moving toward the table, like he's, he's uh, like, Jerry's hand is too big to fit inside of Robin. <laughs> correct. Well, Robin you know? is a so, very little guy. Yeah. And so he, it, it really helps sell the the uh, the uh, the illness. I think you know in that moment. Also, Jerry's just brilliant. Yeah. yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. He really is. Uh, yeah. So he goes to to sit in his chair. Um, Emily asks. Well, I was just going to say, as long as we're talking about it, um, I looked it up on TV tropes, 
And on TV tropes, the fact that no one ever coughs in a movie unless they're going to die is called yeah. is called the incurable cough of death. Okay. Well, I was thinking earlier when it takes place or, or when that happens in a period piece, I for whatever reason I usually think tuberculosis. Sure. I don't know where yeah, I got that right. idea, but yeah. But it's just one of those things where coughing is very common in real life. People cough all yes, the time. I, I coughed earlier today. Right. I <laughs> I coughed earlier in this podcast recording and had to mute my microphone. Um but Oh no, Anthony, do you have Tuberculosis? Do you have tuberculosis? Uh, Maybe do you have one tuberculosis? Maybe that's not a good joke. I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> there it is. <coughs> no, but um, but that's my point though. Is like in movies, the only reason anyone ever coughs is is because like, it's like it's code for this person is dying, and yeah, so it yeah. makes us feel in real life like coughing is worse than what it is. You know, so there are two movies that come to mind immediately to me. One is Moulin Rouge, sure, yeah, where Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. Oh well, maybe spoilers for movies that are at least twenty years old. And the other one is uh, Batman and Robin, where uh, Alfred, Alfred yeah. I believe, is coughing toward the beginning of the movie, and and Batman is like, mm-hmm, "What's going on there?" And then later, Batman tells Robin, "Alfred is dying." Yeah, and then they upload Alfred's consciousness into the Bat computer. That happened. Do they do that? I that, don't remember. Why would I make that up? Why Why would I make <laughs> up fake things about yeah. Batman and Robin? Fair enough. I've seen that movie once, I think. You wait, <laughs> like, wait, 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 wait. Noah, okay. Uh, listeners may or may not remember <laughs> that you did approximately a 90-part series casting the Muppets as specifically Batman characters. A series That's of, true. of, of, of cartoons a series of drawings Mm -hmm. and you only saw batman and robin once in 25 years (laughs) yes wow Uh, because it's it's a terrible movie it is terrible yes right but i but i do have i do have a question for you though yes what killed the dinosaurs (laughs) the eyes age <laughs> okay, so now you're making me think like, oh yeah, maybe that movie was actually pretty good. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing is because I watched it with my nephew not that long ago, uh, a couple yeah. of years ago, and we did a double feature of The Dark Knight and Batman and Robin. He he hadn't seen either. Of them. Oh wow, <sighs> yeah. And well, the thing is that like the like funny good bad material in Batman and Robin accounts for like maybe 15 minutes of it, you know, and it's a two hour okay. movie, like. Yeah. Like honestly, if it was ninety minutes and had like the like ice skating henchmen and you know the, right. the like the like uh poison ivy buys Batman at an auction. I mean like there's enough stuff in it right. that, that if it was a lot shorter it would be fun. But it's just so long that it stops being yeah. like even yeah. ironically fun after a while. You know? That's probably right. Yeah. yeah. That's that sounds accurate. Arnold and George Clooney were never on set at the same time. That makes sense. Huh. Yeah. Like they never shot together at oh, all. Wow. Because they're both wearing suits. You Wasn't, can use doubles. And, yeah. Right. They do have was suits. John Glover in that movie? Uh, like, yeah, yeah, as he's the guy something? With, with Poison Ivy at the very beginning yeah. before she changed. He's, he's basically... Because he's the Riddler, right? No. I mean, in an animated series. Uh, was he? Oh, I don't know. Yes. Oh, okay. That makes sense, yeah. But uh, John Glover is kind of like the Christopher Walken in Batman Returns of Batman and Robin. Kind of. That's maybe the closest analogy. Right. Yeah. 
Well, none of those people, unfortunately, are in the Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> unfortunately. But I'll tell you who is. Miss Piggy. Uma Thurman, is in, Piggy. Oh, yeah. Uma Thurman is in, what's it called? The Letters to Santa. I'm sorry, stop. Letters Go. to Santa. Yeah. She plays Joy. Yeah. yeah. The, the airline agent. Um, Emily Cratchit, though, who asks her husband, Bob Cratchit, how was he in church? Referring, of course, to Tiny Tim. Bob says, as good as gold and better. He told me that he hoped the people saw him in church because it might be pleasant for them to remember on Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Now, a lot of the lines in this movie that I assumed were from the book were not actually from the book, but this one has to be because I've heard this in other adaptations and it sounds too Dickensy, not too. Yes, big. it is almost exactly out of the book. The only difference is okay. Uh, it, and so, as good as gold, said Bob, and better. Somehow he gets thoughtful, sitting by himself so much, and thinks the strangest things you ever heard. He told me coming home that he hoped the people saw him in the church, because he was a cripple, and it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Uh, it's probably fine that they left out because he was a cripple. I mean, I guess I guess it's Dickens yeah. like telling us that, because we can't see it for ourselves, right? Oh, um, right, yeah. Y- you know? S- so... In the original text, uh, does Bob Cratchit hiccup uh, when he says, uh, who made uh, lame beggars walk? Because Steve, uh, <laughs> he said, like, he something happens to his voice oh, at that well, moment, you know. I, I figured it was just his voice is, is breaking a little bit. Yeah, I, that's, that's, that's maybe. what I think it is, yeah. It. That sounds right. Yeah, so, um, actually, I have, a, I have a kind of a weird note about this. So, okay. oh, yeah. so in 2011... To promote The Muppets, the 2011 movie The Muppets. In 2011, to promote the movie The Muppets that came out that same year, Kermit right. went on, Kermit did like a media blitz at that time. And uh-huh. for whatever reason, one of the things, one of the interviews Kermit did was on Focus on the Family's Plugged In Magazine podcast. Really? Yes, that is true. You can look, okay. look at Muppet Wiki, look up Focus on the Family on Muppet Wiki. Yes, like the, the, like the, the James Dobson James Dobson's thing. Corporation, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like basically just like Kermit doing some like light podcast interview about his career. You know? okay. I mean, it's there's a lot of like, what are your favorite memories? And he's like, well, I've been working 55 years. You know, I mean, it's it's Kermit interview stuff. Right, right. But at one point in that interview, the interviewer, Bob Smithhauser, brings up this scene and says like, well, you're talking about Jesus there, aren't you? And Kermit... <laughs> Which, of course, they are. Yes, yeah, it is probably... I mean, this whole scene has the most... um, Yeah, the the most blatant references to the religious celebration of Christmas in this movie, I think. I I think that's right. But Kermit... Yeah. But Kermit sidesteps it very well. He says, well, we Hmm. were. And you know what's really interesting about that film? Even though we have lots of bears and pigs and chickens and rats in that film, the actual script is pretty much straight out of Charles Dickens' novel. We didn't change a lot of the dialogue, so it's a pretty faithful telling uh, of that story. Um, and, okay, and then yeah. and then later on in that interview, when when the guy asks uh, Smith, Bob Smithhauser asks him about like uh, media has changed dramatically since you got your start, but kids still need healthy entertainment. Kermit, by which I mean Steve, makes a point to say like, "Well, I did the Ellen DeGeneres show recently, and she, I was happy to work <laughs> with her because I know one of the things she tries to do, which I've always tried to do, is to be funny without being mean to people." So that definitely feels like Steve making a point on the Focus on the Family podcast. Yeah, like, that seems you, 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 very you, you, know, you know who's wholesome? Ellen. 
you know. Which yeah. meant something that, different then than it does now. Course, it did, but. yes. It, we didn't know all the things we know about Ellen that, that we know but now. But that is Steve, like, just working on his feet and beautifully, like, improvising around a potentially tough situation. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, That's yeah, it's great. a really perfect answer, both of those, because it's it's still... You know, it's a good answer. They're they're good answers to the interviewers' questions, and they're very nice and wholesome. And uh, like it, it, it's even more surprising to think about the fact that he did that at that time when there was like he there was some you know uh, rumblings within the Muppets, uh, like he you know he. Uh, the turbulence of having Steve around at that right, point was right. which we which we know now. Right, so what was happening to have him defend, you know, like just work that well through, you know, through that. Uh, it's just that's brilliant. Yeah. So that's uh, uh, that's kind of a side note, but I th- I think yeah. of that interview every time I see this scene. Yeah, that's that is very interesting. As they're having this exchange, uh, Tiny Tim is finding it a little challenging to actually sit in his chair. He he hangs his hat on the back of it. He walks around the chair using his crutch. He braces himself on the table. He sits down in the chair. Then he props the crutch up against the table. And as we were uh, alluding to earlier, th- this is all just like such convincing puppetry on the part of Jerry Nelson using this little tiny frog puppet that, yeah, really just barely covers his hand. And and probably doesn't have legs. I assume this version yeah. of Robin in this shot does not actually have legs at all. Maybe not. I mean, they probably wouldn't add that much weight to it. So he, they probably would have them on there just in case the shot goes, you know, slightly below. But like, they certainly don't aren't articulated. Like, you know, right? Yeah, uh, like, I wouldn't assume yeah. that that he does. So, but it it must have been impressive because I. I don't have any notes about it like oh yeah well like so i didn't even like clock it at all that he right, it's just that this, convincing you, know. you don't even think yeah exactly it. yeah so yeah great work by jerry nelson i don't, I don't know if maybe there was another puppeteer assisting but uh just great great puppetry um and speaking of jerry nelson there's another jerry nelson character outside the house still peeking in the window with scrooge that is the ghost of christmas present of course Scrooge is watching all this. He just says, a remarkable child. And the spirit doesn't say anything. He just nods his head and blinks very slowly, which is, uh, I, I, it's just so expressive. I love that puppet. Yeah, it's, re- like, it's really subtle and effective. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a great caricature of Kirk Thatcher, too. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. right. Apparently that was intentional. Yep. Uh, Gonzo says... And with that, the Cratchits came to what was surely the happiest single moment in all the live long year. And here's where we see the entire family gathered around the table for dinner. Now, the Cratchits came to what was surely the happiest single moment in all the live long year. None of that is in the book. That's all Jerry Jewel. Okay, that I kind of figured yeah. wasn't. Yeah, yeah, that's a Jewel one. But that's but that's okay. but I think that's one of those ones that like watching this movie casually, you just assume it's from the book. Yeah, you know. It's not. Yeah, I mean, and it, it sets things up really nicely. Yeah. Uh, do you think they all always sit at the same place at the table when they have dinner together as a family? I don't know. That's, we got Bob that's how Cratchit I, that's how I grew up. Table. That's how I grew up, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what we do at my house possibly, now. Yeah. 
possibly with the seats chosen by my parents to minimize arguments among siblings. Not <laughs> not 100% sure, but wouldn't be surprised. So, yeah, they, they each have their place. I just found it interesting that um, Belinda and Bettina are not sitting next to each other. One of them is kind of on the side and one of them is on, at the end of the table. It's probably because if you put them together, they will just... I think, yeah, they can't sit directly next to each other. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So Scrooge remarks that it's such a meager feast, and the spirit uh, says, but it's very much appreciated. And in that moment, like, Jerry's was notorious for, like, not enunciating every syllable oh like the like all the time the puppet not exactly every single and syllable so of the speech i noticed in that moment he does like it like he's it's really but very much appreciate you know yeah. like it's really just like perfect so you're saying you're saying he hits every single syllable of that exactly sentence. okay i watched steve whitmire up i interviewed him at, at gen con uh one time hmm. and i watched him become every other Muppet performer, like with his performance, just he said, you know, like Richard was crazy, you know? So like he's, he would be kind of like all manic like this and, all over the place. you know, Jim sort of moved around like this and like, uh, you know, Frank is analytical and so like sharp, but huh. you know, and Jerry was just cool, man. So he didn't care. And he just, you know, like, <laughs> and like, it was crazy to watch, all of the other guys come out of his hand because he had to double for them so oh, right. much, in, you know, to, in his early days. Their performances oh, sure, when he yeah, had to double yeah. their characters. Oh. Yeah, that is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So it just just moving his his hands and fingers in different ways to to represent all those other guys. All those That's other amazing. guys, yeah, yeah. like their their the personality through their puppetry style and yeah. Jerry's is. You know, well, well, I know John Tartaglia has talked about that. How it's very important for him as Gobo to to drop syllables, so sure. it, so it looks like so it looks like right. Gobo. You, you yeah, know? which is interesting, especially if that's not his his normal style. Yeah, to right. have to kind of train himself to do that when he's playing the character. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And Mike Quinn did the same thing when when he was in you know on the on uh, the scatting on the barrel. Oh yeah, like. It just you make your make the puppet look as much like the original performer as you possibly can. Yeah. Which uh, like I was thinking about that. This is for the next movie, but that might be why Fozzie sounds like this so much, because like Kevin being the onset puppeteer for him doing an impression of Frank Oz, like fell into that caricature of it. And then Frank had to then loop it that way you know, when they oh. were in, oh, right. in post-production. Sure, yeah, yeah. So it would, that's so it would look thought. right, you know? Uh, anyway, that's like kind of repeating the want. same puppetry yeah. mannerisms, mannerisms and uh, like emotion and like Mr. Bimbo, you know, like it, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't yeah. yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I'm sitting here just like opening and closing my hand in different, <laughs> different patterns and different <laughs> speeds just thinking about all this wow yeah man i love this stuff <laughs> yeah yeah so scrooge has a realization at this point he says i pay bob such a small amount and then out of nowhere bob cratchit suddenly says mr scrooge 
And Scrooge is like, oh, what? Is, is yeah, this guy yes, talking to me? Yes, but Did, he's like, can he see me? He's like, hello, Bob, it's me. Yes, yes. Mr. Right, Scrooge. yeah, he, he gets up and tries to walk into the house. He passes right through the solid door, mm-hmm. of course, because he's not really there. Yeah. And uh, he arrives just in time to hear Bob Cratchit say that he wants to lift a glass to his employer, Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. And then we cut to Tiny Tim and Emily Cratchit at the other end of the table. And exactly there is where this clip ends. And I assume we don't get to... that everyone at that table is super cool with toasting Mr. Scrooge, and that's what's going to happen next. I guess, yeah. We don't. We can't tell by the looks on their faces, or yeah, they're all just going to be like, "Yeah, sounds great, Dad." The founder, the founder of the, of the feast, feast, indeed. And and Piggy's going to be like, "Yeah, I love that guy." Yep. The clip that you sent me ends as he's saying the founder of the feast. It does not. I don't even know if he says the T at the end of that word. Oh, really? uh, <laughs> Yeah, the founder like, of the feces. Fees? Maybe I hope it's not the, the founder of the feces thing that we're talking about. Um, <laughs> like if oh, he was yeah, wandering no. around and he, you know, walked through something. You know, I don't know how you watched the clip, but I have noticed that depending on which video player I use, sometimes uh, clips end huh. sooner than they are actually over. So. I watched it in like in Google Drive and then I downloaded oh. it and I watched it in QuickTime and QuickTime. Yeah, I don't know yeah. about that one, but Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Oh, okay. Well, he d- that's good to know that he does finish that work. Yes, it is a feast and then okay, also great. uh Tiny Tim and Emily are sitting at the other side of the table. So okay. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering. Yeah, I'm I'm it I was really worried that they had gotten up and left. Like yeah, just, right, right, right. You never know. <laughs> they could tell what was coming, and they didn't want to hear about Scrooge. Yeah, they ran to the other room. If they have another room, I don't know. I don't know. So that's all I have, actually, for these two minutes. Uh, anything else on these two minutes from either of you? Noah, I will start with you. I don't think I have anything else for- uh, I didn't write anything down, okay. anything else down. I went through uh, with a fine tooth comb this morning and was like, you know, taking notes. So, nope. Yeah. Uh, other than the fact that like this, uh, as I said before, this clip encapsulates every wonderful thing about this movie, like the the chaos and then the the like caring and also silly moment between Gonzo and Rizzo and then the heartfelt part, you know, between Kermit and Piggy and like just everything that it, you could boil this movie down to just these two minutes and people would, you know, understand. Yeah, you're right. It's all there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Including singing. Like there's even a little bit of a song in this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This was a good one. And yeah, you know, we do try to go over everything with a fine tooth comb and sometimes you end up with something like let's, talk for five minutes about handsome cabs and sometimes you just don't have anything like that so yeah (laughs) but this was a good one uh anthony anything about these two minutes i have a little bit more old curiosity shop if that's okay okay yes please so this is again stuff that i read in the annotated christmas carol tiny tim is based on dickens brother alfred who died as a child and in fact in the original manuscript his name was little fred after dickens brother and he changed to tiny tim um, but then he named another character Fred. Named the nephew Fred after his after yeah after his late brother. Hmm. Um, hmm. But also Dickens, he talks about how Dickens said that anyone who had no sympathy for children was quote quite an unsafe monstrosity among men. 
that this was very Whoa. important to him. And that's why he <laughs> wrote so much about, you know, I mean, Oliver Twist and he wrote, he right, spent yeah, a lot, sure. Little Nell, you know, he spent a lot of time on like the suffering of children and how we can help them. Um, but huh. also I just thought this was kind of funny. The novelist, Henry James, the, the late 19th century novelist, Henry James, who wrote like portrait of a lady, Daisy Miller. Um, he hated all of the sick kids in Dickens books. This was like a thing he talked about. And the quote says... What a monster. Yeah, and the quote says, The troop of hunchbacks, imbeciles, and precocious children who have carried on the sentimental business in all Mr. Dickens' novels. And he referred to Tiny Tim specifically as, quote, a little monster, deformed, unhealthy, unnatural. Uh, oh, wow. And it's like, bro, like, what is... Yeah. How can you read A Christmas Carol and be like, Tiny Tim, not worth it. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's your take yeah, like it's horrifying. Like, I've never read a Henry James book, but uh, no, I'm never, definitely never going well, to. What's <laughs> what's shocking about it is he doesn't even just generally target Dickens for 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 using a character like that for sympathy or whatever, it, or for being too maudlin. It, he actually is attacking the character of Tiny, Tiny Tim, Tim calling just, him deformed. Just and, a sweet yeah. little buddy. Yeah, right. So, anyways, that was some interesting notes I got on this one. Wow. That is weird. Uh, well, I do have an update in the extremely exciting ongoing uh, saga of me watching other movies of A Christmas Carol, movies and TV specials. So, uh, just today, actually, I rewatched Mickey's Christmas Carol, the oh. uh, Disney short from 1983. Um, hadn't seen it in a while, but it was really amazing how much of it I remembered and like when something would happen I would anticipate exactly what the next thing was going to be that happens a lot when you watch something that you watched frequently as a kid there's just a lot of funny little cartoony bits and it tells the story really concisely it it, I think that's the version that's probably that must have been the version that I saw first before this one even yeah must have been came out nine years earlier you know, much much earlier in your own childhood yeah. is what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was a TV special that had that that uh, short with a bunch of other like winter themed or Christmas themed uh, Disney cartoons. I saw it recently, and it I was amazed at how short it was because yeah, when I it saw it as a kid, so it was fast. feels like a movie when you're a kid. It was yeah. you know, it feels like a movie when yeah, you're a kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've, I've, it's like 20 it's less than 30 it's, minutes it's I like believe. 25 minutes yeah. almost exactly yeah um uh, i've probably mentioned this on the podcast before but miles my son miles who's four and a half is obsessed with that thing he loves it yeah like <laughs> like we i bet this christmas i've seen it three or four times in december <laughs> and he'll you know we'll like watch some other christmas special and he'll be like what about mickey's christmas carol and it's just like all right buddy we can <laughs> well what about it <laughs> He just loves it. Yeah. He loves when he loves no, when Ebenezer Scrooge good. throws in one coin and grabs four coins. When the coins all pop out. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. You were saying uh off mic uh earlier, Anthony, this that might be the only adaptation where Scrooge actually steals money from somebody. Yeah, I think it is. Like not just like swindles yeah. them out of money in business. He's like he's like just right. a thief. He like steals from the from the charity in that. You know, stealing doesn't some coins goofy like doesn't marley fall down the stairs sure does uh, yes so sure does. goofy point. as marley is such an interesting casting choice because 
He's very funny in it because he's goofy, but you you don't buy that goofy would be robbing from widows and and taking money from the poor. Yeah. So that's kind of strange, but then yeah, they they make the most of it with goofy like tripping over his chains and then yeah, when he leaves uh I think Scrooge says something like, "Oh, Marley, watch the first step." And then you just hear crash, tumble, crash, crash, crash. Mm-hmm. And then you you hear the the trademark goofy <laughs> Yahoo-hoo-hoo-y sound. I recorded I recorded an audio uh uh like a, a version basically the the script that I had from my brothers doing it in school. I recorded uh, as uh, an audio drama uh with my cousins. Um and I like had Marley fall uh, in this in much the same way probably based on that Inspired. movie like yeah yeah it was like watch out for that and then he, like i just had a whole bunch of sound effects it's like chair you know <laughs> yeah that's great um but yeah it is so concise and i think it really planted in my head the idea of what are the essential components of a christmas carol because all the it hits all the important stuff in the past present and future the only thing that i noticed wasn't there was uh nephew fred's party right but even that like mm. it, the, the story works without it well, and they still get less, they still so. get donald in at the beginning and end so it, right so it yes feels donald like fred, nephew is, fred. It feels like fred is is there you know yeah yeah it works really well um the other one that i watched in the past uh couple days uh scrooged the 1988 mm. bill murray movie which is so weird uh, it takes place in present day, and he plays this TV executive who's just really mean to everyone. This is one of the the meanest Scrooge figures that I've seen in one of these things. Yep. Uh, it takes place on the night of a live TV broadcast, which for some reason they they refer to the story as Scrooge by Charles Dickens. They never call it a Christmas Carol in this thing, and I don't know why. But I wonder if there was some legal issue with. I mean, it was. Oh, maybe because of the movie from the 70s? Wait, no, but that one was called Scrooge. The, the, the no, Albert Finney is sense. called Scrooge. And also, like, it's a public domain story. It certainly was in 1988. Right. You know. That's just always my guess. That maybe it's they a legal just thought issue. That it would be shorthand. Like, everyone knows sure. what you're talking about when you say Scrooge. Yeah. yeah. That movie is uh, interesting in that it, uh, it has. There's a scene that features a Ghostbuster and a Ghostbuster. Because Buster Poindexter <laughs> plays the uh, <laughs> the Ghost of Christmas. It's cast. true. That's true. Yeah, that, that movie is also interesting in that they hired uh, director Richard Donner, a very talented man who mm-hmm. didn't understand comedy and forgot to make one. Well, yeah, it's just so uh, it, it's very strange, and it's I wouldn't say that there's no comedy. Right. It's, it's just, just I just don't think it's very funny. Personally, like, the I'm, tone I, is just yeah, kind of never really it never really finds the time i mean it's kind of like everybody is obnoxious like the ghosts are obnoxious to scrooge uh buster poindexter is yelling at him and the ghost of christmas present is played by uh carol kane as this sort of like Mm -hmm. fairy princess but she keeps like hitting him and throwing toasters at him and stuff and she bit him and hurt him like in real life in the, oh, that right? while yeah. they were shooting that yeah <laughs> there, yeah she bites his his nose or his lip or something at one his, point his lip yeah she yeah. tore his lip yeah yikes yeah yeah that sounds terrible yeah so. and like the whole thing is just it's a little too bleak i just like because mm-hmm. especially yeah. like in high school i was 
obsessed with Bill Murray. I mean, that like I'm not as sure. I'm not yeah. as much of a Bill Murray guy now as I was in in you know 1999 or whatever. But but back yeah. then, Ghostbusters, Stripes, you know, even like even like Groundhog Day, Rushmore. I mean, even the newer stuff then, I was like all in. And yeah, I watched yeah. Scrooge, and I was just like, oh, well. And I think the other thing is that Bill Murray as an actor had not arrived at the point maybe where we buy the transformation of the Scrooge character at all at the end of this (laughs) movie. Or maybe it's a failure of the script or the director. I don't know. But like he just seems like still a jerk at the end, but he's a jerk who has realized that if he's nice to other people, then the people who witness him being nice to those people will assume that he's a nice guy. Like He still seems selfish for doing nice things. Well, I think, I mean... Groundhog Day is not dissimilar, like in in premise. That's you, you the know? thing; it's a better version. It's a much of that. better version, yeah. and Har- Harold Ramis is a better yeah. comedy director. You're like you, you know, yeah. I think you're thing. right. Yeah, I think that's it. So, yep, Scrooge, another Christmas Carol adaptation. I guess I'll just keep on watching these things until I get sick of uh, Christmas Carols. Impossible. Um, <laughs> well, I even I love the. Out. Ju- I love the Jim Carrey version. Like I know you're, nobody else does. Ryan hasn't watched it yet. He's been like, it off. I hate yeah, it. I think it's, I think it's awful. It. But I respect really? it. I think it's dreadful. <laughs> uh, uh, Tiny Tim looks like a little Gary Oldman head. It's awful. It's a it's a nightmare. <laughs> I hate it. I I, I don't mean, know. I, I don't know what it is. Like uh, Jim Carrey, uh, just like loves to eat scenery so much sure. that he just like completely like you know, bends himself over in that role and is just like, no more bread. You know, like it just <laughs> is, it, it's so, uh, yeah. Sure. No, I, uh, I know so many people yeah, who hate I, it for so many different I reasons. I respect it. I mean, I respect your opinion because I think highly of you. <laughs> it's it's certainly true that everyone has a different threshold of Jim Carrey tolerance. Yes. Um, I think mine is maybe a, about average, maybe a little higher than average, but uh, yeah, I, I'll, I don't know. I'll report back to you after I've watched it. Also, yeah. we forgot to mention that Scrooge features Batman and Robin's John Glover. Oh, oh. yes, yes, it does. As a like a smarmy uh, network guy who I think is trying to take over Bill Murray's job or get him fired or something. Wow. So, with that, we can move on to our traditional uh, episode closing questions for the guest. So, Noah, do you remember the first question? Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? And what is your history with it? Uh, I saw this movie in the theater at the Skokie Theater uh, in when it came out in 1992. Uh, and I remember going. It's a, It was a little teeny theater. And we went and I... I I loved it. It was like I had already been prepped for Steve being Kermit and you, because and you were a, of you that. were a relatively young child in in nineteen eighty two. I was twelve. 12? Okay, I was yeah. twelve. So I was. My mom told me that Jim died, like that you know, uh, on the drive home from school, the, the day it happened, mm-hmm. uh, and so I had already, you know, two plus years been. I knew about Richard. Uh, and oh, you knew about Richard already. Yeah, yeah, like I think I did. Uh, um, because I, when I was four, somebody for Christmas gave me the the Christopher Finch book uh, of Muppets and Men. Oh, awesome! Uh, and so I, yeah, like I was <laughs> that kid at like five, like you know. Wow. And so I knew all the guys 
you know, just by name and whatever. And so I prepared, I was prepared for, you know, Kermit being different and, uh, didn't, I didn't know that much about who was going to be what role in the movie, but because my brothers had already done the show. And at that point I probably had been in it, uh, like several times, uh, between the three of us, I knew that story backwards and forwards. We watched the Alistair Sim movie all the time. So mm-hmm. I, I just loved it. I ate it up. It was, it's Jerry Jewell's writing. Like it just, it, Jerry Jewell is the soul of the Muppets. Yeah. 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 That's, that's fair yeah. to say. So yeah, that's my answer. I, yeah, I, good. yeah, um, I saw it when it came out and I loved it. All right. And then, uh, where does it go in your ranking of all the Muppet movies? Uh, my ranking of the Muppet movies falls exactly in the order in which they came out, uh, save for the last two. Okay. They're okay. flipped. <laughs> oh, you, you flipped the last two in your ranking? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. I would say it goes Muppets Most Wanted and then uh, like um, Mr. Willoughby's Christmas Tree and then Very oh. Merry Muppet Christmas Movie <laughs> and then uh, the, the weird Michael Jackson Sesame Street Christmas <laughs> and then and then the Jason Segel movie. Okay. That rules. <laughs> But but not not to push too much, but that does mean that you think Muppets from Space is better than Muppets Most Wanted. Oh. Huh. <laughs> I'm conflicted. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Because that is the movie that made Jerry Jewell quit the Muppets. So yeah, maybe it might have to I don't know. I might still say uh because that movie had Frank Oz, at least in cameos. That, I mean, know. it can be your tentative ranking. It doesn't have to be carved in stone. Nobody's yeah, gonna, that's my tentative ranking. Yeah, is that uh, Muppets from Space is still verified later? Is, is still uh, I haven't seen. I've only seen Muppets Most Wanted maybe twice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I have differing opinions from a lot of people about uh, that period of the Muppets. For sure. So okay, yeah. Very interesting. So uh, then the next question is, do you watch this every year around the holidays? I don't because I don't really need to because it's already in my head. Yeah, that makes sense. Like I don't, I just have it, you know, I can close my eyes and watch it. Sure. Um, (laughs) And also if there's any, a, a big part of it is that the rest of my family, uh, like my wife and daughter don't really watch it. They don't, you know, uh, my parents still own a copy of it and I think they probably watch it every year. And Mm. all my friends, uh, are always, or a lot of my friends always say, Oh, we should, you know, you should come over and, uh, watch them up at Christmas Carol. And then you can tell us about it a bit. That never happens. Mm. Um, Uh. (laughs) so, I watch clips of it when I need to know something, yeah. you know, yeah. or, eh, you know, it's always there. It's always there. Yeah. And it's in my head. So I don't think anyone don't has to. ever said to me, you can come over and watch a Muppet movie and tell me about it <laughs> because they know that if they did, that would be a big mistake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they yeah, know. Yeah. I have had people into. invite me over to do like running commentary 
at them while they're watching. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple uh, Muppet Wizard of Oz that happened. Huh. And like, what? I was like, I, uh, no, I don't want to. Th- uh, those are nipples. I don't want to. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, on that note, then, we can wrap things up for this week. Uh, everyone, listeners, please make sure you check out toughpicks.com everywhere on the internet. I, we don't know what's happening with social media as we record this. Will there still be a Twitter? Will anybody want to be on Twitter? We have no idea. Will Hive Social ever come back up? As of this recording, we have no idea. It's just kind of in limbo right now. Nobody knows anything. But just look for us online. We're there. Um, our thanks to Morgan Davy for our logo. You can also support us on Patreon if you're so inclined. And you should definitely look at our T Public store for a ton of cool t-shirt designs. And you can also get those designs on stickers and mugs and I think tote bags and all kinds of stuff. Uh, there's some great ones. There's some newish ones. Um, Manhattan Melodies, that seems to be a, a popular design at the moment. Um, so yeah, go check that out. You can email us at moving right along at toughpigs.com to let us know what you think of these minutes and this movie. Um, as of this recording, I am on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. I'm also on Hive Social at me, Ryan Rowe. I'm on Letterboxd at Movies Are Neat. Anthony is on Letterboxd at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow both of us there to uh, get our opinions on movies that aren't this one. And Noah, please tell all of our guests where they can find you or your work on the internet. You can find me at uh, I have a website, noahgenx.com. I have an Instagram for my art, which is art by noahgenx. I have an Instagram for my puppet company, which is noahgenx puppet co. And I have a tea public shop, which is linked from my, uh, artist, uh, Instagram. Uh, so you can buy all sorts of strange Muppet mashup. And uh, I think there's a Calvin and Hobbes slash Audrey two design on there. You got Um, that great one with the Muppet Golden Girls. That one uh, is putting my kids through college (laughs) Um, (laughs) that I get so many emails from T public about that one selling that I stopped paying attention to them. Um, That makes sense because it rules. Man, people love Muppets and people love the Golden Girls. So you're, you you I love it. I'll take all of it right there. The magic formula. <laughs> uh it was uh, a friend of mine uh my friend Heather uh suggested you should do Muppets and Golden Girls okay. and I said okay because I was doing a drawing a day every day of the year mm-hmm. and I um, you both have been a victim to this where <laughs> I just message you, you know, out of the blue and say, I need an idea for tomorrow. Yeah. It's, it's so fun. And I love when you do that. Cause it'll always be like, <laughs> yeah, man, digit Lindbergh. Give me that Jim. <laughs> and then there, there is the drawing. There it right? is. That's the thing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I just thought about Digit yesterday because, like, uh, somebody showed me a like a Muppet Star Trek thing, and I was like, uh, "Well, Digit has to be Data." Oh yeah, yeah. You know? Digit, Digit anyway. is kind of Data. He's like a mix of he Data, Reverend Jim, yeah, Kramer. <laughs> yeah, even though right. Seinfeld wasn't out yet. Oh, it's very close though. But yeah, no, you're right, huh? Um, so yeah, go go look at all those things, everyone. Uh, follow all of those things, and also uh, please give us positive reviews and and uh, positive ratings online. Uh, 
And please tell everyone about this podcast and join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. We'll see you then. The goose, the goose. <laughs>